Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, welcome back. I hope that you're healthy and your family's healthy and we remain in prayer for everyone during these challenging times. Today, I'd like to look at the Apostle Paul for a moment. And part of the reason is, man, it's kind of a reaction to a sermon I heard. And in the sermon uh, was stated a widely held belief that the Apostle Paul converted to Christianity. Okay? Now, just to be fair, there are many hundreds of scholars, uh, seminary professors, secular professors, religion school professors, who take their entire lives studying just the Apostle Paul. Um, I want to say that in many ways, and, and believe me, I love higher education, okay? I've got several degrees, uh, a couple actually, uh, one accredited, one non-accredited, just to be fair, master's degrees, and I'm saying this, I love higher education, alright? I love higher education. But during my days at university, it never ceased to amaze me how focused people can get. Because, in all honesty, what, what, what people who are in academia love, and I love this too, so I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to smack anybody. I'm just saying, you get real focused on one thing. And you get real good at that one thing. And the complication is, is uh, tunnel vision. You get tunnel vision. And I've worked in the medical uh, field uh, in support positions in the medical field for years. Uh, and uh, to be honest, uh, medical professionals can get the same way. There are doctors who are specialists, and they're specialists in a particular area, and that's what you go to them for. However, sometimes... General practitioners, uh, you know, primary care doctors, catch things that specialists miss. It happens. And, of course, you, you could say that about any doctor, but, but it happens. Part of the thing is, and the idea is this, sometimes you get focused on one thing so hard that you lose out on the other stuff that feeds into that one area. And you get tunnel vision. And that can blind you 
to some very important things. And the Bible is a fantastic example of something that people hold so dear, so important, that they can get tunnel vision. Now, the Apostle Paul, I think, is one of those. And he's a huge example of that. He is an enigma to many people. Many people swear by him. Many people swear at him. There are many Christians that do not like the Apostle Paul and could would just as soon remove him from the New Testament collection, from the canon. Uh, they believe, uh, and, and to be quite honest and quite fair, there are many Jewish scholars that do not like the Apostle Paul at all. Uh, they feel like he's the one. He's the smoking gun that cooked up this thing called Christianity and then ruined it for everyone. They love Jesus because Jesus is very, very staunch uh, Jewish rabbi. I mean, look at the information. But when you get into the Apostle Paul, they get, they get kind of grumpy about that. You know? So you have to, you have to look at the, the Apostle Paul in, in a very, very guarded light. All right. Now, so let's get back to the original question, and that was, or the original statement in Protestant theology. And this was a Protestant evangelical Baptist minister, and he said pretty much the party line, and it was, Paul converted to Christianity. And... Believe me, I used to totally agree with that. Why? Because at one point in my life, I never, ever questioned the party line. It never, ever, ever entered my brain to ask, you know, is that really right? Is that really, is that really right? Because sometimes when you do that and you say that, in your circles, people look at you like you've just grown another head. They're like, what are you saying? You heretic? Blasphemy! Burn him! They just get, they go nuts. I mean, you know, when, when you question uh, the party thoughts. And I think that's horrendous. I think that is the opposite of what God has in mind. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is stronger, more powerful than any other force ever existence. And the thing is, he can take questions. He's big enough. So here's, here's, the, here's the thing. Let's look at this phrase, Paul converted to Christianity. And of course, most of the time people will say that Damascus Road experience is the thing. And what they do is they point out pretty quickly how uh, Paul uh, persecuted the church prior to his change. Now, the first point that I would kind of like to throw in on a disagreement 
I have concerning this conversion idea is this. Number one, to convert to something, you have to have something. So if somebody said, hey, I'm, I was, I'm a Buddhist and I converted to Islam, then I would say, oh, okay. Why? Because Buddhism is a total entity of its own, and so is Islam. And so you can say, okay, this is this, this is what they believe, and now, boom, you got this, this is what they believe. And so you, he believed, he used to believe this, now he believes this. Okay. So, and, and even, you know, in some circles, if you go from denomination to denomination, you know, I was Baptist, and now I am Assembly of God, or Charismatic. And, you know, I used to think this, and now I think this. And you can identify that. Here's the problem. Christianity didn't exist <laughs> in Paul's day. It wasn't a, th it wasn't a thing. It wasn't there. Um, the word Christian, and people are quick to tell you, the word Christian starts in Antioch, because it says in the Acts, you know, that in Antioch, the believers were first called Christians. That's, okay, that's great, but here's the complication. First of all, the word Christian, which at that point meant little Christ, okay, was a, was a slam. It was a, a pejorative term. It was a slang term. It was something you called somebody to insult them. It was an insult, initially. That's what it was supposed to be. Now, obviously, you know, we've taken that and, and said, well, yeah, yeah, you can insult me with that name. I'm, I'm happy to embrace that. Well, okay. Now, here's the thing, though. Unfortunately, that one term over the centuries has added a ton of baggage to it. All right. And to be very honest, there is nothing in any document, including the New Testament and the Old Testament, that says that God deemed that the name, boom, you are to be called Christians. Now, that's going to sound kind of crazy because you're, because you're thinking, L.A., man, people have been called Christians, Christians forever. What, why, why, are you, why are you messing around with that? I'm, mess, I'm, 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 I'm just pointing out the fact that at no point in time does Jesus say, okay, you guys need to be called Christians now. Okay. In fact, uh, there were, there's another term in the New Testament that followers of Jesus were used. Uh, they were uh, followers of the way. That was a term. That's in the New Testament. Uh, they were also, you know, at, at times followers of the party of the Nazarene. Okay? So, we just kind of took that, all right? Especially the Gentile church. Uh, grabbed that and ran with it. All right, which is which is fine, but here's my my original point. Christianity wasn't a thing; it didn't exist in Paul's day. The church existed, and I guess if you wanted to say, "Well, that's Christianity," that's great, but it wasn't delineated. I mean, nobody agreed 
other than Jesus was the way and the Messiah, there was not total agreement on, okay, well, there's this doctrine, this doctrine, this doctrine, and, and, and nothing was codified, okay? So, to say Paul converted, I think, is a little premature because of the second point. Well, the, the second thing is, um, when... Paul goes and meets with James. And this and James was a leader in the church in Jerusalem, okay? Um this is in Acts 21. Basically, James says, hey, Paul, I think you need to do something for us. And let me just read this. This is in the uh, English Standard Version. This is uh, chapter 21, starting uh, Acts 21, starting in verse 17. So James addresses Paul, an issue with Paul, all right? And this is the elders of the church in Jerusalem. They say this. So verse 17 starts this way, and I'm going to continue. It says, When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard it, they glorified God, and they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. They are all zealous for the law. And they have been told about you to, that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you've come. And this is verse 23. James is kind of addressing the thing. Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourselves along with them. Yourself, excuse me. And purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus, all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. All right. So here was the problem. 
James is saying, wow, man, there's some fantastic stuff going among the Gentiles. This is just, this is fantastic. This is awesome. But, you know, we've heard something, and we're really concerned about this. And this was James and the elders of the church in Jerusalem at this point. And he said, we've heard that there's rumors that, as churches go, and they're good with rumors. Churches are awesome with rumors, okay? That you're teaching the Jews that live among the Gentiles not to observe the laws of Moses and stuff. So he actually says, we got some guys here, and this is probably a Nazarite vow, all right? And because of the shaving of the head and, and things of that nature. doesn't have to be, but I'm just saying maybe. It doesn't say it's a Nazarite vow, but that's a, a Jewish custom at that point. And he says, well, I want you to pay for them to do this vow. All right? So this is like, okay, money's changing hands here because that's commitment. You don't pay money for somebody to do something that you don't believe in normally. All right, not in this fashion, not when it comes to making a vow to the living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was very serious, so you just didn't do it if you, if you didn't believe it. All right, so then he did that, but also he, there's, he's saying, look, you know, and you join them. Purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses, Okay. And why? Why? He says in verse 24, Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observance to the law. So here's the issue. If Paul converted, all right, in the Protestant sense of the word, Two Jew, you know, because that's that's what people are teaching. They're teaching it from the pulpits all the time. It, it, they're saying Paul converted from Judaism, he, and then he became a Christian. Okay, well, if he did that, why is he still doing this? And James is making a point. He's saying, "Look, we know Paul that you're a Jew, and that you always considered yourself a Jew." And you've never looked at yourself in any other light other than being a Jew. So, why do we think he converted? It doesn't apparently look like he did. looks like he's what we call now a Messianic believer. That is a Jewish person that believes... Jesus is the Messiah of the prophecies. Yeah. That's what it looks like. He didn't he didn't b- become a non-Jew. Why? Why would he? Why does he have to? Why does he have to? He doesn't. At no time is the, is that the thing. Now, the third point I'd like to make, I'd like to bring up is this. A contemporary of Paul and, I think, at that point, maybe, and some of the apostles, was a rabbi 
named Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was very famous, very respected. If I remember correct, he set up, once he survived the decimation of Jerusalem by the Romans. Uh, pretty smart dude, too. Uh, basically, he had his disciples bring, take him out of the city in a, in a coffin, if I remember that right. And uh, when he got out of the city, he set up shop. He set up a, uh, a base for the faith. And by the way, Akiba can trace his lineage through Pharisees, okay, which were highly respected. But he went to a city by the name of Yavne. And at that point, he set up a school there and codified what would be considered what a rabbi is and is not. And uh, in that school, it was it was pretty much kind of codified at that point. And, and Akiba did that. Now, here's, here's the deal. Akiba believed that a man by the name of Bar Kokhba Bar Kokhba was the Jewish Messiah. Now, in fact, uh, the guy's name wasn't actually Bar Kokhba. The, the, Bar Kokhba was the name that Rabbi Akiva gave the man because it meant son of a star. All right? And what ended up happening is Bar Kokhba said, or, or excuse me, Rabbi Akiva said, this guy is the Messiah. He is the Jewish Messiah. Then Bar Kokhba would go around and uh, basically uh, <laughs> basically uh, he was a loyalist so you pretty much when he showed up you better be on board with uh, freeing uh, Israel from Roman rule uh, I'm not going to get into his life but he was it was kind of his way or the highway you know turn or burn kind of philosophy with him uh, he was very, very, very focused on freeing uh, Israel from the Romans. And uh, here's the point. Rabbi Akiva said, hey, this man, he's the Messiah. He's the Messiah. Well, no, nobody said, oh, well, Bar Kokhba's not Jewish anymore. Nobody said that. Now, after Bar Kokhba got killed and then Jerusalem was destroyed, uh, a lot of people were thinking at that point, yeah, I don't think he was right. I don't think he was right. But no one accused Bar no one accused Rabbi Akiva of not being Jewish because he believed in Bar Kokhba. Nobody. The guy's name was Simon. Shimon Bar Kokhba. Anyway, nobody accused him of not being Jewish anymore. 
They didn't. So why is it when you have a Jewish rabbi named Paul, Simon, or uh, why is it that we accuse Paul of changing over? Now, it just so happens that Paul, our Apostle Paul, was right. One million percent. Jesus was and is and continues to be the Jewish Messiah and the Savior of the entire world. But nevertheless, we tell everybody, oh, well, he's not Jewish anymore. Well, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. And the text doesn't make any sense from that perspective. So, he had some things to say concerning, okay, this is how Gentiles need to, need to look at the faith. And this is how Jews need to look at the faith now. And this is how Jews need to look at Gentiles. And this is how Gentiles need to look at Jews. He had a lot of stuff to say about that. That's why he has so many letters. But when you look, there was never a conversion. Because there was nothing, I mean, at that juncture, quote-unquote, to a convert to. He always considered himself Jewish. Messianic Jewish later, yes, but always Jewish. So, I'll, I say that, kind of long-winded, to just mean this. Check out what you're being told. Check it out. Check out what you're being told from the pulpit. And just because somebody's got a doctor on, on their name doesn't make them omniscient. Or infallible. If they're human, they can make a mess up. So please double check. Check it out. Even me, please, always. So, with that, I want to encourage you always to thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. If you would like to support this ministry, then please go to Patreon under L.A. Blackburn. May God bless every effort you make to do His will in His Word.